Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933. Online at mypremierortho.com. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today's topic is Indiana's marriage statute. Uh, we have three guests with us in the studio. Brian Powell is here. He's an IU sociology professor and the author of Counted Out, Same-Sex Relationships and Americans' Definitions of Family. Also with us is Susan Lancer, board member from the Center for Inquiry, which has filed a lawsuit challenging the Indiana uh, marriage statute. And also Ryan McCann, Director of Operations and Public Policy at the Indiana Family Institute. You can join us on the program by uh, calling us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 if you're outside of the Bloomington calling area. The web address is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can join a live chat if you want to go there. So welcome to everybody. Mary Catherine, good to have you back. Hi, Bob. Good to be here. All right. And uh, Ryan and Susan drove all the way from Indianapolis today, so we're happy to have you both here, too. So. This is a uh, a big issue, of course. It's become uh, really uh, – it's been sort of thrust back in the news, although it's, it's never left the news. But when President Obama uh, recently uh, basically came out and said that he uh, – his position had evolved and now he's supporting same-sex marriage. So uh, it makes it a very timely topic. And, and I want to turn to Brian first. Um, Brian, your, your book is uh, studies – you know, same-sex relationships and how Americans look at them, and, and you've seen some changes over time, correct? Uh, yes, Bob. We've, we found um, remarkable changes in people's views about which living arrangements they will, people count as families and which ones they won't count as families. So in 2003, if you ask the question, do you consider a same-sex couple with children a family, about a half of the people said yes. By 2010, it went up to over two-thirds. At the same time, people's views about same-sex marriage, um, their their positive view about same-sex marriage, increased dramatically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do, what do you attribute that to? I, mean, is there a- I, I attribute it to several factors. Uh-huh. I think the first factor, if you want to use um, Vice President Biden's term, is the word comfort. A couple of weeks ago, he said he was comfortable with the idea of same-sex couples getting married. And what we found in our interviews in 2003 was that many people were just having – trying to get their head around an idea that they hadn't really thought about before. And you know, when we think about this idea of attitudes changing, you don't one day say, I disagree, and then the next day say, oop, I do, I agree. Mm-hmm. You have to have some type of movement towards being more comfortable with the idea or using the term of what Obama, Obama's term, evolving. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one part. A, a second factor is the, is the sheer fact that people were talking about the topic. 
And what happened was with the discussion about same-sex marriage, you ended up with people on both sides of the debate talking about it uh, publicly. And this is something that's really different. Mm -hmm. In 2003, when we did the interviews, it was really interesting that a lot of people would sort of lower their voice when they said (laughs) gay or homosexual or lesbian. It was not unlike when I was growing up, people talking about cancer. They would lower their voice. It was something you – it was a taboo. You don't mention it. Mm -hmm. By 2010, that wasn't the case at all. People had become more comfortable with the idea about talking about it. And another reason I think people became more comfortable about it is because – relatives and friends were being more open about their sexuality. So in 2003, um, by 2003 and 2006, and then between 2006 and 2010, there was an increasing percentage of people who said that they had a gay friend or gay relative. Gay friend, you can understand that possibly. But how did that happen with gay relatives? Did all of a sudden you end up getting a bunch of new gay relatives? No, it's that people were becoming more aware of it and relatives were being more open about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought people, more people will have had personal experiences with same-sex couples or um, uh, that whole or, or gay marriage in general. And so once you've had a personal experience with something, it often will change your framework for making a decision about how you feel about something. So Yeah, absolutely. There's a principle in sociology and social psychology called the contact hypothesis. And the general argument is the more contact you have with a certain group of people, the more comfortable you're going to be with, the, with people. And in addition, when you hear the concept same-sex marriage or same-sex couple, if you don't think of it in terms of a person, it's easy to, to say, you know, the person shouldn't have that right. But once you hear that it's your neighbor or you hear it's your Aunt Martha or you hear that it's someone that you're teaching, mm-hmm. that changes it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Ryan McKeon, you you are against same-sex marriage, correct? The family. I, I like to Indiana consider family. it. I'm for traditional marriage, yeah. but uh, okay, yes. okay. <laughs> You're for traditional marriage. Okay. Yeah. Well, can you explain? You know the the position of the Indiana Family Institute. Sure. Yeah. We. Um, you know, I've headed up our lobbying efforts for the marriage amendment here in Indiana for a number of years. Um, you know, we really started the conversation back in 2003, and and I've been pushing a constitutional amendment uh, ever since. And so we just, uh, you know, this, the marriage laws in Indiana are, you know, marriages between a man and a woman. And, you know, we've seen, um, you know, gay rights activists and, and groups across the country um, challenge those laws within the court. So we just want to protect the laws here in Indiana. And, you know, with, with President Obama coming out in, in support of same-sex marriage, we feel like that's needed even more now, you know, than ever. Um, one of the things I'd just like to add with, you know, maybe perhaps growing uh, – you know, sort of the idea that there's growing support for same-sex marriage out there. If you look at the states that have actually had, you know, the opportunity to define marriage within their law, you know, 31 of 31 states have, have done that. Um, so you have, you know, a majority of the, the states in the United States of America that have, you know, amended their constitutions to protect marriage within their states. So. And that, that, a story I was reading this morning uh, really got into that same topic, and, and I believe that you were quoted in that story I was looking at. It might have been a, sep- a separate story. But, um, you know, Ryan, it was talking about how uh, the more comfortable people seem to come, become with this idea of same-sex marriage, the more legal hurdles there are to uh, allow that to happen. And that seems like uh, kind of what you're saying, that it is true that when, when same-sex marriage is on a ballot somewhere, it usually loses, mm-hmm. correct? Is that what... 
Yeah, I would agree with that, that it does lose. I wouldn't necessarily say, um, you know, it would seem to me the opposite would be true as far as mm-hmm. the more people were comfortable with it, the more those would be defeated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being comfortable with talking about sexuality is a lot different than being comfortable saying that homosexuality is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Very different things. Um, I've always been looking for an answer to the question of how same-sex marriage threatens traditional marriage. <laughs> The question I like to say is, you know, the folks on my side that are, you know, doing constitutional amendments and trying to defend marriage, you know, this is a reactive movement, really. I mean, you have gay rights groups around the country. They're the ones on the offense trying to overturn marriage laws. Um, You know, we look at the social science research that looks at, you know, uh, marriage and family and, you know, left, right or center. You know, you kind of see the ideal as the two parent family with their own children as the children do best in those kind of environments. So when you deny a child purposely, either a mother or a father, we just kind of question the, the wisdom of that. Um, and a lot of the arguments that I find that the, the gay rights uh, groups try to make about the legal importance of of you know, basically redefining marriage, a lot of those same benefits could be uh, taken care of in, in other situations. We need not define marriage to handle some of those issues. So, Susan, Susan Lancer is here with us. She's a board member from the Center for Inquiry. What is that? Hi. Um, the Center for Inquiry is a secular humanist organization. We're a transnational organization um, founded uh, specifically to foster uh, um, Sorry, foster society based on science, reason, and secular values. Um, we are non-religious people, and we do um, understand that values and ethics uh, can come from common sense, um, history, um, the evolution of generations. Mm-hmm. So your organization has has filed a lawsuit against Indiana's marriage statute? Is that we correct? We have. Okay. Can you go into the details of that? Um, yes. We, we filed a, a lawsuit um, to just to address the issue of uh, marriage in our community, our, our smaller, um, we are somewhat of a minority still, but still one in six Americans is um, not affiliated with a religion. Um, we do see that when people from our community, our non-religious community, want to get married, the um, DAC is definitely stacked against having someone from our community who shares our belief system, our values, um, to, to perform that marriage. Mm-hmm. So... Give me a little more detail. How's the the deck stacked against you? Um, Well, uh, our couples have uh, a choice of um, going to a priest, a minister, a rabbi, a religious person. There's, you know, probably one on every couple of blocks in America Mm -hmm. um, and in Indiana. We um, also have the choice of going to a judge, a lawyer, a county clerk, a mayor. If you don't know one of those folks and you want to have an outdoor wedding – there's not a lot of choices. We we do um, marriages. I'm a certified secular celebrant under the Center for Inquiries Secular Celebrant Training Program. Um, I do not have a license to sign marriages because I'm not a minister. I don't want to be a pretend mail-order minister, um, and I'm not a religious person. But I am a person within a community of, of people who is caring and sharing and just trying to live our lives the way we want to. So how how are you challenging the uh, the marriage statute? What what should be in that statute or what should not be in it? Before she answers, okay. I, gotta, I, before, I want to finish this okay. thought. Sure. So do you then work with an attorney or somebody who can sign off on the marriage license so it's legal? What our couples do um, is go to the courthouse and get their license, and then they choose the day that they can have their marriage solemnized at the courthouse. If they want to have a separate wedding, 
Um, they have to go through the extra step of getting that marriage signed, not at their wedding, th- that license signed, not at their wedding, but at the courthouse either before or after. Lots of times our couples w- will want to have it on a weekend because, you know, that's a good sure. time to have a, a wedding. Right. Um, and they will go uh, to the courthouse either the Friday before or the Monday after. So their marriage license does not reflect the actual date of their wedding, mm-hmm. unlike religious weddings who can be signed by a minister. So we have that disadvantage, and it's unfortunate because, you know, the love is the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. I'm sorry, Bob. Well, no, no, yeah. no, no problem. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, I'll, the question was, how are you challenging the law? I mean, what, what are the specifics of the law that you're challenging? Um, we have a lawsuit um, in the United States District Court, Southern District of Indiana, in Indianapolis. Um, that is, uh, our plaintiffs are a couple, a secular couple, um, who happen to be members of the Center for Inquiry and would like to have a celebrant um, solemnize their marriage. Um, they, you know, do not wish to have their marriage in a courthouse or at the mayor's office. They want to have their own wedding their own way and have one of us sign it and have their wedding date, even if it's on a weekend, be their legal marriage date. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this is about couples who are already legal to marry. They're hetero couples. Um, this lawsuit does not in any way challenge the um, the marriage amendment for, you know, or the marriage laws for same-sex couples. Um, okay. This is just about hetero couples. And we filed that. Um, they're the plaintiffs along with um, a representative from the Center for Inquiry who is also a secular celebrant and who would be signing that license. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, our phone numbers eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside the local calling area. The web address, wfiu.org slash noon edition. And we're going to go to the phones. Dennis is on the line. Dennis is from Bloomington. Hello. Hey, Dennis. Go ahead. Um, your uh, last speaker just spoke to the uh, to the issue. What we need to do is define a marriage as a contract by which human beings choose another person who they're not related to by blood to be higher in the hierarchical order than their blood relatives. And that is, you know, combine my property. All I own is yours. All you own is mine. We will take care of one another until we die. <clears throat> And it doesn't matter who you are. And that's all I have to say. Wouldn't that be nice? Okay. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Dennis. And Susan agrees with you. I do. I do agree. Um, There are different laws in different states. Um, In some states, the couple can marry each other and sign their licenses. And that's a lovely thing. We don't have that in Indiana. We're just looking for something um, that suits our specific need. But we would love to see it opened up differently. Um, I know in some states, notary publics can do it. And the first question we usually get is, well, why don't you just go online and get that universal life ministry, mm-hmm. you know, certificate for 50 bucks or whatever. Um, but, you know, to us, that's that's dis- disingenuous. It doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't do what we want to do. Okay. So, Ryan, what's what's wrong with Susan's position? You know, I'm still trying to totally understand the, the, the concept of lawsuits. I saw the news over the last few weeks, and I've, I've been a little bit puzzled. You know, as someone that works in the state house quite a bit and, and lobbies on some of these issues, there are lots of different individuals and groups and folks that want to add and subtract people that can officiate marriages and all, all the time. And they go through the proper channels of lobbying their legislator and, you know, talking with folks in the, in the legislative branch of government and trying to get those included. So I'm just a little curious about a lawsuit instead of kind of taking the the track that I think is the most um, applicable and efficient in this case, which is, you know, talking with legislators and trying to add that to the law rather than 
challenge in the law and court. I, I just think that's maybe the wrong venue. Mm-hmm. Susan, why'd you do it, do it the way you did it? Well, um, we see it. The, it's the legislature's job to write the laws. It's the the judicial branch to maybe check and balance those. Um, this is about an issue that is it's already legal. We're not trying trying to change the law to include more people to be married, different types of people to be married. We're just trying to get you know, some rights for our own group. And that's what the judicial branch can do when we feel that a law is balanced unequally, mm-hmm. um, giving privilege to some people and, ta- and not, ha- not having an opportunity for others. The judicial branch is often a, a good place to, to go for those checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I agree. Uh, when I think about change and social change, we can think about it in terms of the public and voting, the legislatures, and also the judicial branch. And sometimes we have to rely on different, different prongs of, of, for the social change. For example, when it came to the issue of interracial marriage, ultimately we had to rely finally on a court to rule that interracial marriage, the prohibition against interracial marriage was unconstitutional. There were still were many states in the country when, we had, when the Supreme Court ruled about this in Loving versus Virginia in the 1960s, that there were many states that still prohibit interracial marriage. Mm-hmm. And if we relied on the public, which was still, opposed to, was still opposed to interracial marriage, or if we relied on legislatures, we would not have had that change. So sometimes we really do have to rely on the, ju- the judicial branch to provide some type of check and balance. Mm-hmm. I would, if I Go could ahead, just pipe Ryan. in on sure. that, I would just disagree that – you know, this, those two issues are very different. I mean, um, you know, I could totally understand the, the argument for, you know, the interracial issue at, 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 that, at that time in our history. And this time in our history, I mean, really, you have um, folks, you know, I took a look at some of the other lawsuits and things the Center for Inquiry is involved in and, you know, um, and, and, and things other atheist groups have been involved in in the past, and they've been very successful. I mean, there was a time in this country where it was okay to, you know, study the scriptures within public high schools and, and have, you know, teacher-led prayer in public high schools, and on and on we can go, public displays of religious faith and crosses and, you know, uh, public places and, uh, you know, the folks, I think, a lot of folks at the Center for Inquiry represent and, and others of like mind have been very successful. So I just find that the legislative branches where policy should be made and the you know judicial branch, sometimes there's cases, as, as the, the other uh, two have, have mentioned here, where that's appropriate. But I don't think it's appropriate in this case. I don't think that there's such a disadvantaged minority that they can't get a proper hearing with, you know, amongst their legislative uh, representatives. Okay, I have a simple question. I hope um, you use the term atheist. You you use the term secular. Same thing. Secular humanist. Secular, secular humanist. Same thing. Um, secular humanist is a larger umbrella. Um, it doesn't include just atheists. We have agnostics. We have uh, you know just humanists. Um, not secular humanists. Humanists are a religious or religiously affiliated organization. Um, we also do have some deists who are members of our community and some Buddhists. So there are not just the non-religious, but some of the differently religious as well. So okay. secular humanists is just the larger umbrella. Okay. I want to go to the phone go uh, first. Now we've got. I think we've got some yeah. activity online too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Richard is on the phone. Richard. Hey, Richard, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Okay, I just want to make a few comments. One you just touched on, which was the interracial marriage clause that states did. States did that because of the religious and political groups that were in their states and the money and the votes that they cast 
were more important to the people running for office than actually giving the proper rights to everyone as individuals, which is the same situation we are in right now, regardless of how our traditional marriage guy wants to spin it. And uh, I'm going to bet the traditional marriage guy is actually a religious-based organization, so therefore they have their own agenda in on this, and is not just representative of anyone, regardless of their affiliation. Uh, I also wanted to say that he was wrong. Children are not are absolutely not being denied uh, a traditional family of a man and a woman. Uh, I was a traditional marriage. I raised my kids by myself. That was a non-traditional me- method of doing it. Uh, my kids are now grown. I've got my own grandkids. I'm a straight heterosexual male. I am not a religious person, though, and this, I think, has a lot to do with that. If you want to differentiate your marriage, call it a holy marriage. But marriage was here before Christianity was. So I think you need to live your world and let everyone else live in theirs with the same rights and opportunities. All right, Richard. Thanks a lot. So we'll turn to the traditional marriage guy. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ryan McCann, Director of Operations and Public Policy at the Indiana Family Institute. Mm -hmm. Okay, Ryan. Yeah, I'd love to respond to that. You know, first of all, my comment there was on uh, same-sex marriage. If, you know, my comment's basically if same-sex marriage is instituted, uh, every same-sex marriage denies a child of either, either a mother or a father. I mean, that's just a fact. I don't see what the caller, you know, has in mind there. I'm just that's just a fact. If if you have a same sex marriage, the the folks involved in that, if they do have children, they're you know, either a mother or a father will not be present. Mm-hmm. Could be two mothers and two fathers. Sure, but that means either a father or a mother isn't there. So uh, okay. I'd like to comment Brian, on that. Sure. Because one thing several people who we interviewed, people who were in favor of same-sex marriage and people who took a, a, what we refer to as an inclusive definition of family, did focus specifically on the question of children. And their point was not that you know, a child is denied a father and a mother, but the other way around, that children who are in same-sex couples are being denied the legitimacy of marriage and that by not by denying marriage to same-sex couples, in effect, children are being hurt. So the, if we really want to think about that issue of marriage, you know, the, if, if marriage really is a good thing for children, denying it to a couple that has children would be disadvantageous. I want to make one other point uh, regarding the word traditional, because this is another thing that many people talked about in, in our interviews and from both sides. And I guess the question is, what do we mean by tradition? Do we mean by tradition what things used to be. Well, let's think about what it used to be. It used to be at one period of time, women were considered property of the husband. In fact, even the term husband, I'm sorry, man and wife implies a term of possession, the father giving away the bride to to the groom. Term that we're still using, it is about the giving, it, in, 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 at least historically, it was about the ownership. At one period of time, if a, a woman and a man who are married dissolved their marriage, not only could the, did the husband have the presumption of custody, but the husband could actually legally decide that he didn't want the child and his wife wouldn't be allowed the child either. Do we mean, in terms of tradition, the idea that women had to get permission from their husbands to 
write a check from a bank account? Mm -hmm. Do we mean um, that people from different racial groups were not allowed to get married? Throughout history, we've had traditional marriage. In fact, if we look at other countries today, traditional marriage means arranged marriage, arranged marriage actually for children who are just a few years old. So I think we should be really careful about what we mean by traditional marriage. And this was one point that many people were bringing up in our interviews. Mm-hmm. I guess for us like, it was the vernacular yeah, of that. Sure, yeah. Ryan, you can, I can easily uh, clarify that. Um, uh, most of what he has just mentioned about what would be defined as traditional marriage, I would ag- disagree with. It's very easy. Traditional marriage is marriage between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Ryan, you're saying um, you would be denying a child the benefit of a man and a woman in a marriage, and, mm-hmm. and so what? Well, the research shows that, you know, really the ideal situation for, for a child with, you know, all the indicators, whether it's, you know, physical or emotional well-being or, you know, even economic you know the the parent, the um, heterosexual led household. The the research shows that that's the best situation for the child when you have the when you have the mom and the dad that are married together and raising their 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 ch- children. The research shows that those kids tend to do better on average than other family uh, settings. But couldn't that be because society makes it harder for them because of some of these rules that we're talking about right now? I mean, it seems like kind of a a circular question. Um, did you want to say something, Brian? Yeah, actually. Um, the other area of research I do is on family structure and what is the consequences of, for children of different types of family structure. And what Ryan said is, is absolutely correct about if you compare married heterosexual couples to other heterosexual couples. It is true that the research does indicate that on average, married heterosexual couples, the children from married heterosexual couples tend to do better in school, tend to have better health, compared to other types of heterosexual couples who are not married, uh, who are living together. And there can be many reasons for it, including the resource argument that you were just talking about. But there's been very little research comparing heterosexual – but the claim that heterosexual couples who are married do better than same-sex couples, uh, children same-sex who couples – Who are married? Well, that's the interesting thing because, first of all, forget the issue about marriage. Uh, a recent study, for example, by a professor from Stanford looked at school retention rates comparing different types of living arrangements and compare – and they, basically the finding was that, yes, if you just look at it – if you just compare – um, heterosexual married couples to same-sex couples, married or not married, mm-hmm. you, children who children's re, children had a better rate of going to the next grade. But once you just took into account differences in education and income, there was no difference. Now, this is not even including the issue of marriage, and I think this is the really interesting thing to me. Is I, you know, if you look at Ryan's organization's website, it talks about the importance of marriage because this is what makes a strong family. To the extent we think that same-sex couples with children are families, denying them the right to marriage, in effect, is denying the possibility of a healthy family. Okay, we're going to get back to uh, uh, Ryan and Susan and Brian after we take a short break. Uh, We're talking about Indiana's marriage statute and a lot of issues that sort of uh, branch off from that. Uh, You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, information at smithville.net, and from Premier Ortho, online at mypremierortho.com. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today's topic is Indiana's marriage statute, and we have three guests with us in the studio. Brian Powell, an IU sociology professor and author of Counted Out, Same-Sex Relations in Americans' Definitions of Family. Ryan McCann, director of operations and public policy at the Indiana Family Institute. And Susan Lancer, board member from the Center for Inquiry, which has filed a lawsuit challenging Indiana's marriage statute. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And we've had a lot of activity on the uh, web. You can go to wfiu.org slash noon edition to join a live chat. And Mary Catherine? Yeah, we're going to get around to those comments now. I'm sorry it's taken us so long. We've just been kind of busy here in the studio. So here we go. It starts out, uh, this one starts out, I would like to hear more about the assertion that that anti-gay marriage movement is reactive. It seems to me that any organization that opposes extending civil rights might call itself reactive, but only because up until a certain point, nobody challenged the status quo. So reactive seems to be a little disingenuous. Ryan, I think that one's for you. Sure. I mean, I disagree, uh, shockingly enough. Um, You know, when I started working for the Indiana Family Institute back in 2003, really when all this began, um, you know, dealing with issues that had to do with uh, same-sex couples or the issue of homosexuality in general was not something I was excited about being involved in. But, uh, you know, after working for the Indiana Family Institute, we are a a faith-based group, but just, you know, I think we just hold to a lot of the traditional values that, you know, the average Hoosier holds to. And we just saw this onslaught from from gay rights groups around the country challenging these laws. So, you know, the option for us is either to sit back and let that happen, which we thought was not appropriate, or to get involved in the discussion. And that's what we decided to do. Would you like to share the the um, mission statement for the Indiana Family Institute so we know what that's sure. in a nutshell. What if you're familiar at all, hopefully some, at least some of your listeners will be familiar with Focus on the Family out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. We're a state affiliate of Focus on the Family. You know, our, our mission is to strengthen, strengthen Hoosier families, uh, you know, across the Hoosier state here. So, you know, we are a, a Judeo-Christian faith-based, you know, organization. Um, and as is a um, majority of the state, vast majority. So, 
Okay, I've got another comment here online. It says, um, same-sex marriage denies a child a mother or a father. He's quoting you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. He says, so is Ryan McCann defending the rights of children who have two genders of parents? That seems sort of silly to me. I don't know if you want to comment on that or it's not really a question. question? I didn't quite get it. He says, he's quoting you, same-sex marriage denies a child, a mother, or a father. Mm -hmm. And he says, so is Ryan McCann defending the rights of children to have two genders of parents? He's just saying kind of what I said earlier. It's like, Mm -hmm. so two genders what? Okay. I don't think there's, I mean, you already commented on that one really, but here's the, another one. Um, I wonder if Ryan McCann would also favor taking a child away from same-sex parents in all cases since that relationship relationship denies the child a right to a father or a mother. You know, I wouldn't favor taking a child away. It's not going to be my place to take a child away from anyone. Um, the, the argument we're making here is, as I've mentioned before, you know, are we going to change our current law on marriage is my position. That's the current law. That's always been the case in Indiana. The real argument here is, are we going to change and totally redefine that definition of marriage or aren't we? If we do redefine that definition of marriage as one particular interest group, the gay rights groups would like to do, I'd like to add the you know, polygamous groups, for example, or some of the other groups out there aren't you know, clamoring for this. It's the gay rights groups. If we do that, there's going to be some implications about you know, all sorts of different laws. Well, I don't and think I- you're born polygamous, but you're born gay. Oh boy, we could we could really have a whole show on that. Actually, you know, um, you know, from from our from our perspective, I mean, like I said, that, that could be a whole show in and of itself. I mean, we would argue as a faith based group that you know we people have all sorts of feelings and emotions, and you know, I I, I even hear an argument from my you know pro same sex marriage friends that will even admit you know folks in the you know that consider themselves gay at one point may consider themselves bisexual at another point, may have a change in feelings. I've known folks that have been in heterosexual marriages that then end up in homosexual relationships. I've known folks that have been in homosexual relationships that, you know, end up in heterosexual marriages. And, you know, even the folks on the other side of this issue from me um, often are the ones that tell me that sexual feelings can change over time. And so, the, you know, that's where I come into contact a little bit with a you born that way kind of kind of argument um and i haven't seen any legitimate research that's actually actually pointed to that um any kind of research that i've seen on that has some serious methodolo- methodological uh issues but you know i would i would put it more as this way you know the the majority of hoosiers here um in, in the state of indiana vast majority consider themselves to be christians I, I consider myself to be a Christian as well. From that faith perspective, you know, we have all sorts of temptations. You know, if uh, we, we, we just consider this another one. You know, me as a married man, if I have a temptation to have feelings for another woman, that's inappropriate. If you're a man and you have temptations to be attracted to another man, we consider that to be inappropriate through the Christian tradition. That's a tradition that a majority of Hoosiers hold to. All right. We could talk about that for the we rest did. of the program. Very, very no long doubt. Time. Right. But we have four phone calls. We have more uh, questions online. So let's go to Curtis first on the phone. Curtis? Hello. Uh, I'm, um, I came into this conversation late, uh, and so I may be going off on a tangent. I'm a Christian minister, and uh, I have always maintained that I would prefer not to be an agent of the state. Uh, I, you know, I have religious responsibilities. I'm glad... Uh, very glad to do weddings uh, for people who have who, uh, who have uh, faith, who are based in faith and want to have a religious ceremony. 
but uh, I have there's a lot of people who who come to me as a minister because I am authorized by the state to officiate a wedding. They have no interest in religion. Uh, they just want somebody to conduct their ceremony, and um, and I would prefer just to be out of that. Mm-hmm. I would like to I would like to conduct ceremonies for uh, you know for persons uh, who have religious uh, a bent that way. But um, but but simply to be someone that the state says, well, you got to go to this guy because he's authorized by the state. I'd prefer not to be part of that. Okay, Susan, you want to respond to that? Sure, I can speak to that, and I appreciate your your opinion, being a minister and also being open and affirming. Um, part of the point is that um, the the objections to marriage equality for all, including non-religious and the GLBT community, um, is that. Uh, the the arguments against have been only Christian. A- am I correct? I think I'm correct. Um, only Christian, definitely mainly Christian, but not all Christians feel this way. Um, not all religions feel this way. I-, I have a list of 21 LGBT affirming Christian denominations in North America. So certainly that's not the majority of Christians that are that are against marriage equality. Um, and and then that doesn't include individual churches, individual people who don't have a, a stance overall, um, but who do agree. And that's kind of the point, too, is that this is about government, um, civil rights, not just religious rights. And the way it's balanced right now, there is an unequal privilege given to religious people to define the laws. And that's where things like our lawsuit come in and the um, people approaching the legislature for GLBT rights and marriage equality, too. Okay, we're going to thank Curtis uh, for his call and go to Bethany next. Bethany? Yes. Hi, go right ahead. Hi, yeah. I, it's actually fitting that I followed Curtis's comments because I was calling kind of with the same thing Susan just pointed out. There are multitudes of Christian organizations that have absolutely no qualms with marrying same-sex couples. I am a member of such congregations, and I feel like the fight, the oppositional fight, we're going in the wrong way. We need to focus on the fact that this is a gross violation of the First Amendment. This is a violation of my religious freedom. Like Curtis, the minister, if he so wishes to marry a man and a man, that's his prerogative. The state didn't get involved in marriage until they were trying to keep whites and blacks from marrying. And so it's we're just slowly letting the state step over these bounds but then we're garnering public opinion by, oh, let's whip you into a frenzy. You know, they're violating traditional values. They're going to break down marriage, the institution, if they let this happen, when really that is no business of the state as far as I'm concerned. That is a, a wholly religious thing. Okay, Bethany, thanks for your comments. I'm going to let Ryan respond to that. Once again, the argument before us is the state of Indiana – has statute has always had the statute within um, within state law that marriage is between a man and a woman. I would totally disagree that marriage is instituted to keep you know uh, the marriage laws are instituted to keep you know people of different races apart. Um, and the the real argument is there are groups trying to redefine our, our marriage law here in Indiana. Are we going to do that or are we going to not? And you know, once again, the caller kind of gives a, a perspective of. A lot of accusations there that just uh, – I don't think it just speaks to the reality of the situation. Okay. Let's go back to the phone and Nancy. Nancy? Um, yes. 
I would like to go start from the beginning of the conversation where um, I do believe um, as a heterosexual that I think the rights of um, homosexuals are very important, especially when it's close, when it hits close to home, um, such as in my case, I have a cousin that is a lesbian, friends that are lesbians, and another cousin that is gay. So um, I just feel that the there should be some type of legal rights for them and protections under the law as far as their property and their children are concerned. Um, even if you don't want to call it marriage, call it something else. Um, I don't, you know, have a word for that. But also, too, I would like to challenge Ryan as far as saying that the ideal situation for children is um, um, a father and a mother and saying that same-sex marriages don't offer those opportunities for children. And I would like to say that, first of all, having a man and a woman that, you know, in, a, in an undysfunctional home, that's definitely not ideal um, for any child. And I feel that as gays and lesbians, they tend to, they are trying to fight for marriage and they love each other, and if the child is in a loving home, isn't that what's most important? Well, once again, I'll, I'll take the heat here, but um, I, I think you're framing the question in a little, uh, a little unfair way. You're basically you know, comparing a dysfunctional heterosexual home with an ideal homosexual home, and I would just consider that to be you know, a bit unfair. Um, if you look at the state of Indiana, um, you know, very few... You know, according to the census, we're looking at less than one percent of the population as far as homosexual folks couples go. Um, of those, a very small percentage even have children. Um, you're looking at heterosexual homes. I mean, just to make the assumption that the average heterosexual home is dysfunctional, I think is is unfair. You look at the research on this that I've been discussing. We're not talking about heterosexual dysfunctional homes. We're talking about, you know, not perfect homes, no no marriage, as we all know, or family is perfect, but, you know, a a good enough home, a healthy home. Um, So a marriage of uh, any marriage, any, let's say, equally happy marriage between a man and a woman and an equally happy marriage between two women, you're going to say that that man and woman situation is going to be preferable across the board. Well, what I would love to see is because there's That's a yes or no. Well, because there are so few um, homosexual couples with children, there's been almost no research on, on that specific topic. If, if I could, if I could get some research that would actually show that that sound methodologically that you know um, that homosexual that the same benefits that come of traditional married led family with children to those children would occur in the, the, the same homosexual couple. I'd be interested to see that. But like I said, we're really talking about, you know, a tiny percentage of the population. Brian, Brian you got any, any yeah. research? Um, in terms of the research, uh, one thing on, on, on the website for the, the policy of the Indiana, the Indiana Family Institute is, is a report about 26 reasons why marriage is a good thing. And many of the explanations that are provided there are explicitly about the concept of marriage. Marriage, for example, provides more economic stability because you have two people 
providing resources. Now, whether that's a man and a woman or two women or two men, that concept goes beyond the issue of what's the sex of the person. The issue is simply marriage. The legal legitimacy of marriage provides an economic resource. It's simply two people bringing in more resources. And there, if you look through, there were 26 reasons, and I, and I went through them, and there were quite a few of them that basically was saying, it would seem to be independent of the issue of gender. Now, regarding the issue of research on this, one thing that's very interesting about this idea of traditional marriage is I want to go back to the, one of the points that Ryan said earlier. He said that people are best off with a husband, a wife, and their own children. And the word their own really is a, was, it made me, resonated with me because it, it made me think about some research I had done on adoptive children. Mm-hmm. In fact, many people, when they were talking about the same sex, the right for same sex couples to get married, talked about the issues that you couldn't, in, in our interviews, that you wouldn't be able to pass on your blood. And that was the argument. And, but, but when I'm sure that Ryan would not necessarily say that adoptive children in a husband and wife household is lesser than a husband and wife and their children. Uh, I would consider, I mean, if, if I had an adoptive child, I would consider them my, my child. Um, and, and to get to your point about the research, I'm very familiar with the research, the 26 conclusions. They've actually come out with 30 conclusions to the Institute for American Values. And the research they're doing there is on heterosexual families and couples. It's not on homosexual couples. So to, to try to take that research and apply it to homosexual couples, I, I just don't think is accurate because they're studying heterosexual couples to come up with those conclusions. I can just give you one. You're married. You, you're married. You have the rights for insurance that you don't have elsewhere. That – if you're married, you get it. That would be an example. Mm-hmm. Another one, two people are working and both of, them are in the, both of them are employed in the labor force. That would be another one. Um, there, there is all this research also talk about the notion of what the legitimacy of marriage does in terms of people's physical health. You're right. The research hasn't – most of the research has not been done on same-sex marriage. But earlier you said that the evidence is clear that heterosexual marriages are better than same-sex ones. But now you're saying it's not. We don't know. Excuse me. Would you repeat that or clarify that a bit? Yeah. Earlier you said the evidence is clear. Children from heterosexual families do better. Now you're saying, well, there's not really much evidence about same-sex couples. That seems to be a bit of an inconsistent position. No. My my initial statement was that – that they do that they do better compared to other family situations. There's lots of other family situations out there, you know, and, and that's really what the report was talking about between cohabiting couples, between um, children of divorce, between a lot of other kind of family, you know, situations. Um, and and my point is that the the folks who support same-sex marriage cannot come up with any research similar to that talking about the homosexual-led families would produce the same positive results. There well, just isn't the facts out there. Well, actually, there is one. I mentioned one earlier. Michael Rosenfeld, a professor from Stanford's work on education. There's not much research that's out there for obvious reasons because we just don't have much data. But then the question becomes, where is the burden of proof? Is the burden of proof placed upon people who want to deny a right or people who want a right. In other words, if we say we don't want a group to be able to get married, should the presumption be that they have to prove that they are going to provide as good a situation as those who are allowed to get married, or should it be on those who want to deny the right? Well, in in the legislature, it's just a common practice. If you're the one that's going to change the law, 
you better have good reasons to change the law. All I'm saying, let's have the good reasons to change the law. That's pretty common public policy practice. Okay, I'm going to go to a, the phones. Great conversation. I'm going to go to the phones, and we have Wayne who's been waiting patiently. Wayne, you're on. Well, the agreement is that um, heterosexual marriages produce better children, do be- children do better, but there has not been enough research in homosexual parents. The fact is that homosexual unions are inherently unstable. The research that I saw said that the maximum length of homosexual unions that this researcher found was five years. In fact, he was so unable to find any homosexual union that had lasted any longer than five years that if they had lasted five years, he called them permanent. And that cannot be good for children. That kind of instability cannot be good for children. And that's... Okay, Wayne. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Thanks. Wayne, Thanks, that's Wayne. precisely one of the reasons same-sex couples, there's people who are in favor of same-sex marriage, are in favor of same-sex marriage. One of the reasons that create this notion of permanence is the possibility of marriage. Marriage is a signal not only to the couple, but also to the community of some type of real sense of commitment. This was one of the ongoing themes that we, we, we received from people who were saying, who, who said they wanted an open definition of family. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. We have Frank on the phone. Frank? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, go right ahead. Okay. Uh, first, uh, comment on the previous caller. Uh, I think that uh, he probably is only looking at a very select uh, group of people or responses for, for him to come to those conclusions. Um, that said, I mean, my parents were uh, a month short of 61 years uh, when my mother died. And uh, I couldn't tell you why they had children. Now, traditional marriage, what exactly, I mean, even without the gay issue, uh, the traditional marriage is what exactly this day and age? Is it the over 50% that get divorced the first marriage? Is it the over 50% that get the third, get the second divorce in the, in, in uh, the, the group once they remarry? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things to float in here that probably should be flushed. And, uh, another is, does he believe marriage is right? I mean, considering your traditional guy there, considering that uh, the worst drudges of our society, your pedophile, serial rapist, murderer, nobody can deny him the right or her the right to marry. So I don't think there's anything in our society a greater example of a right than the ability to marry. As such... Uh, getting married is either the right of the individual, in which case traditional church beliefs lose, or it's the right of the churches involved, in which case they still lose because there are churches and, in fact, entire denominations that are willing to marry same-sex couples. Now, the, the point on the previous caller was that the 
laws in us have not favored any long-term relationship between homosexuals. I mean, if he's listened to anything to do with this matter at all, he should have gotten that out of this already. Uh, another point is that I don't know anything that I would take a religious-based organization's word for it, because it has come out far too often that they cannot be believed because they slant their own uh, news so much. Okay, Frank, we've got we've got your comments, and we're running out of time here, so uh, we appreciate it. Thanks. And we're going to go to our last caller, and then we're going to try to slide in a couple of these comments online, too. So, Hetty, go ahead. Hetty? Yes. Uh, I was wondering about the uh, population in, in same uh, marriages. Uh, what's going to happen when uh, we run out of uh, people that can have babies and... and uh, so you're saying if uh, if all marriages were same-sex marriages, there wouldn't be any children. There wouldn't be any children. And then what would happen to the population? What would happen to the world? Well, okay, we, we got your point. That's a good point. I don't know that all marriages are going to be same-sex marriages. But I have a little, I mean, kind of an unrelated comment on that. Sure. But, I mean... You know, it kind of points to some research that I've done. It kind of, I think it helps clarify this posi- this uh, issue a little bit. You know, you look at states and countries where same-sex marriage is actually allowed. You know, something I hear from the other side of this argument quite a bit is, you know, this is very important for the, the uh, uh, self-identified, self-identified GLBT community to be able to change the definition of marriage. It will help folks within the community. I think we talked a little bit about that marriage will, will help bring about some of those same results within the homosexual community. The problem, one of the additional problems I have with that argument is when you look at the states and the countries that actually have allowed same-sex marriage, very few same-sex couples actually take advantage of that. And actually when the folks that do take advantage of that get divorced at a higher rate than the heterosexual couples in that population. I'll give you one example is the Netherlands. The Netherlands, um, you know, they, they offer same-sex marriage now. Only 12% of the population there amongst the homosexual um, group actually has gotten married. Um, on the flip side, 82% of heterosexual couples are married in that country. Um, and then when you look at the statistics of divorce, divorce is higher amongst the homosexual population in that country. So the argument that you know there are you know, just a, a, a huge amount of homosexual couples just really needing to get married – that's just not true in the states and countries where that's happened. Not only that, but a lot of the same rights that we've talked about today with insurance and other things are possible through private contracts. There's also a lot of private businesses that offer same-sex benefits for insurance and things. Do you have a comment you can go do very quickly, Mary Catherine, yeah. from our uh, callers? And we have to get off the air. Yeah, I've got two. Why is it every time we talk about marriage, we end up talking about children? There are lots of good reasons to marry that have nothing to do with reproduction in children. And another one is I do not understand the correlation between how many Hoosiers are Christians and that our state should not legalize gay lesbian marriage. Religion should have nothing to do with laws. Even if 100% of Indiana residents are Christians, that should not affect what laws we have. All right, we're giving that caller our last word today. We're out of time. I want to thank Brian Powell, Ryan McCann, and Susan Lancer for being here with us. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. 
A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933, online at mypremierortho.com.